Welcome to the Infrastructure Show. I'm your host, Professor Joseph Schofer of Northwestern University. The Infrastructure Show is designed to present to listeners the reality of America's infrastructure, its condition, why it is the way it is, and what can be done about it. We gratefully acknowledge contributions to sustain the Infrastructure Show from Dr. Robert Peskin, Dr. Raymond Ellis, and Andrea and Ron DeFeo. Geothermal energy is energy that can be extracted from below the surface of the Earth for heating and cooling and power generation. We've already explored power generation in our podcast of September of 2019. But what about heating and cooling? How does it work, and who can benefit from applications of the Earth's energy? To get some answers to these questions, we're talking with Alessandro Rotaloria, who is Assistant Professor of Civil and Environmental Engineering at Northwestern University. Alessandro works at the intersection of geomechanics, energy, and environmental sustainability. Alessandro, welcome. I'm very happy to talk with you this morning. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for this kind of invitation. I'm very happy to be with you as well. Let's start with a really simple question. Just what is geothermal energy? Yeah, absolutely. So, in a nutshell, uh, geothermal energy is the heat on top underneath our feet. Um, so, as you as many people might know, um, basically the core of the Earth is very hot, um, and and there is a continuous uh, geothermal heat flux that goes from the Earth core uh, to the Earth surface. Um, the idea is that these um, these heat comes from the so-called radioactive decay of minerals in the Earth core, and um, and results in a, a flow rate towards the Earth surface uh, of approximately 40 terawatts. That put into perspective are more than double of all current human energy consumption. Um, these this heat is available uh, everywhere on Earth. So geothermal energy is. Um, a renewable energy source that is available uh, ubiquitously, continuously, uh, and irrespective of the weather. Um, and it's, uh, as some people say, um, it's the only always-on renewable energy source, uh, in contrast, for example, to solar and, uh, and wind energy. So are we talking, for, the, for practical purposes, for heating and cooling, are we talking about large temperature differences or very small differences? No, you're, you're correct. So, um, as a matter of fact, geothermal systems are divided into two classes, uh, depending on their application depth. Uh, and these are uh, shallow geothermal systems and the deep geothermal systems. Um, and when we talk about uh, heating and cooling, we mostly refer to shallow geothermal systems, which are uh, technologies that um, go down till 400 meters of depth or about 1,200 feet of depth. Uh, and basically use the ground um, as a heat exchanger as opposed to as a heat source, which is the principle of uh, deep geothermal technologies. Uh, so, um, again, um, at a high level, shallow geothermal technologies um, produce heating and cooling, while uh, deep geothermal technologies can also produce uh, heating, but they're mostly used for uh, electric power production. Um, the, the, the idea is that uh, at shallow depths, uh, the temperature temperature remains constant uh, throughout the year, uh, being warmer than the mean temperature during winter and uh, cooler during summer. And so basically what shallow geothermal systems do is that they uh, transfer uh, heat from the surface to the subsurface and vice versa. Uh, so the idea is that when uh, during winter um, uh, outside is cold, we can harvest heat from the ground and bring this heat to the building for uh, it's uh, heating and the production of hot water. 
And we can do the opposite during summer. So when outside at the surface is hot, we can absorb this heat and inject it in the ground to cool down the building. And, and there's a working fluid that, that moves the energy, is that correct? Yes, exactly. So uh, all shallow geothermal systems are basically uh, composed by three uh, key um, um, portions and key components. Uh, a so-called uh, primary circuit that typically consists of the uh, of the geothermal heat exchanger itself, which is uh, drilled in the ground. Um, we can talk about uh, there are different types, as a matter of fact, of um, shallow geothermal technologies. We, we can uh, deal with the uh, uh, vertical borehole heat exchangers or horizontal borehole heat exchangers, but also uh, energy structures. Uh, and I will tell you a little bit more about them uh, in a few minutes. The idea is that uh, the operational principle is that we use pipes um, with, uh, as you said, a heat carrier fluid that in the simplest case is water, deionized water. And we pump this water into these pipes to exchange heat with the ground. Uh, and this, again, is, the, is what happens in the primary circuit. Then uh, there is a secondary circuit, which is uh, um, basically um, built in the building uh, that supplies the energy to uh, building occupants. And in between these two circuits, there are uh, machines which are called heat pumps that basically uh, enhance the energy input that is uh, gathered from the ground through a minimal input of um, electricity. So that's that's a principle. That's an operational principle. And again, shallow geothermal technologies can uh, serve uh, space heating and cooling, hot water production, uh, but also other applications. And I think it's important to say that uh, these uh, thermal energy needs, uh, depending on the country, account for uh, 50 to 80 percent of the global energy bill of of buildings. So it's it's a very significant amount of of energy that can be covered and can be completely met with. Uh, technologies. So what you're saying, if I understand it, is then you, we supplement that with some other source of energy to adjust the temperature to where we want it to be. Yes, correct. So um, the, um, a, a key component of, of any geothermal system, as a matter of fact, is, uh, um, is electricity. So we need some electricity to pump the water and have it circulate in, in, in these pipes. Uh, and, and, and we also need um, electricity, as I said before, to uh, run heat pumps, which are basically mechanical devices that convert um, work into heat. And so what heat pumps do is that they compress uh, fluids, um, and in this case they compress water, but being water uh, seemingly uh, incompressible, the result is that the temperature that we harvest on the ground is increased, and so we can we can bring uh, a larger amount of heat to to the building. Um, to to put things into perspective, uh, a, a key coefficient that characterizes heat pumps is the so-called coefficient of performance. Uh, in general, uh, shallow geothermal heat heat pumps have coefficient of performance that range between three and five. In very favorable applications, we can go up to six. Uh, and for example, a coefficient of, of performance of four means that um, three units of energy come from the ground and one unit of energy come from uh, electricity. Uh, and the result is that we provide four units of, uh, of heating to or cooling to the building. So the, the compression of the fluid, which as you describe it, is, is water, is that really similar to what uh, we understand as a refrigeration cycle where you're compressing a different kind of fluid? Exactly, yes. It is exactly the same principle um, so, and, and, and this is also the, if you wish, um, shallow geothermal heat pumps 
basically do the same job or, 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 rever- or a reverse job than uh, than 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 frigids uh, in general. And the difference between the the deep and and the shallow. So, if I understand the way you described it, we can drill down vertically, or we can have a a horizontal ar- array of pipes to exchange the heat. Yes, that's so. That's correct. Um, so, in general, um, there is a um, a temperature gradient on Earth. Uh, these approximately equal to three uh, degrees Celsius per hundred meters of depth. Or if you want a uh, hundred degree per uh, one degree per hundred feet of that, uh, and so basically temperature increases with that. With all the geothermal technologies, we don't really harvest that uh, increase in temperature. But as I said before, we take advantage of the fact that at all that uh, temperature is relatively constant throughout the year. But the deeper we go, of course, the uh, the warmer uh, become the the temperature of the subsurface, and so. Through deep geothermal technologies, we really use the ground as a heat source. So we go, we drill down to uh, thousands of feet uh, of depth to um, harness very significant levels of, uh, of temperature and heat that will eventually be converted into uh, into electricity. So the the, the operational difference, um, the operational principle, I would say, is quite different. Um, and, and both have uh, have advantages and disadvantages. As of today, um, most of uh, geothermal applications consist of uh, shallow geothermal systems, uh, while only a handful uh, involve deep geothermal systems. Uh, shallow geothermal systems can be considered really as um, household technologies. They, they can be applied everywhere. They can be applied in a household, in a commercial building, uh, in a school, and in large facilities such as hospitals. Um, and deep geothermal systems in general are connected to the grid. So they are never, they don't directly supply heat to buildings. So it's, there, there are very significant. So issues. how shallow is shallow? If, if we're thinking about, let's say, a, re- a residential application, how deep does, do you have to in- install the, um, yes. the plumbing? Well, for a, let's say for a household, um, there might be the need of going down 50 to 100 meters of depth, so let's say 150 to 300 feet, uh, and typically with a borehole, with a vertical borehole. Um, but as a matter of fact, there are other systems. So before I mentioned these energy structures, which is probably one of the most innovative types of uh, shoulder geothermal systems that basically consist in um, embedding those pipes where water circulates into um earth contact structures, such as the very foundations of buildings or slabs, walls, uh, any kind of uh, underground structure that you can think of uh, that are increasing applications worldwide. And the advantage of, of energy just structures is that um, there is no need for additional drilling because the pipes are embedded into structures that will be built uh, in any case. And in those cases, as you can imagine, these structures are really uh, shallow. So you, as you imagine, if, if you imagine a pile foundation or a parking garage, maybe you can be, you can deal with the three or four levels uh, underground, but no more than that. And, and the system still works and uh, it can provide uh, virtually all the thermal energy consumption um, of, 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 of the building. So what kind of a temperature differential are you working with, uh, with a shallow uh, installation like that? 
Um, so in general, it's minimal. We are talking about a few degrees from two to four, five. So we we really uh, work with minimal uh, temperature differences, um, and 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 this is why um, we use the ground as a heat exchanger and not as a as a heat source. Uh, this is very different compared to what we do in uh, deep uh, geothermal applications, because in those uh, situations. You, you are targeting hundreds uh, of, of degrees and you are pumping water into wells in order to, uh, to, to extract that heat and eventually convert it into electricity. So again, the, the, operational, different, the operational principle is completely different, uh, I would say. Um, and, uh, and this is also what makes shoulder geothermal systems um, relatively straightforward to apply. Um, but with that kind of a small dif- temperature differential, can I heat my house in Chicago when the outside temperature is uh, is uh, zero degrees Fahrenheit? Yes, absolutely, yes. Because, um, again, what happens is that uh, that is indeed a minimal temperature difference, but through the operation of the heat pump, um, it will be possible so to increase the, the energy output. So... Um, so geothermal systems, especially in places like uh, Chicago, uh, are, as a matter of fact, a wonderful system um, because even though at the surface there, is, uh, there might be a very harsh winter or a very hot summer, the temperature underground remains constant and we can use that heat and we can meet, uh, theoretically speaking, 100% of the uh, heating and cooling needs and hot water production needs of, of your house. So... Um, you made a perfect example. So Chicago and New York City and many other cities worldwide uh, would really benefit from massive geothermal applications. And this is why we are uh, seeing more and more of these uh, in many places around the world. To, to give you some example, um, I, I guess that the leading countries in these in shoulder geothermal system applications are uh, Switzerland, Austria, and Germany, in Europe. But this is also... Uh, coming in in the U.S. Uh, to give you a prominent example, probably uh, the new headquarters of uh, of Google uh, in California are um, funded on a geothermal systems of so-called energy piles. Uh, we are talking about 3,000 energy piles, and these um, geothermal system will meet about uh, 100% of the heating and cooling needs of the new headquarters of Google. So. Um, it is, it is an expanding technology. It's something that works. Uh, in other countries around the world, it has been proven for over 40, 50, and 60 years. Uh, so I guess it's only time, uh, it's only a matter of time to see them deployed uh, ubiquitously. So do you expect, are you seeing them in, in, in residential applications, in single-family homes, for example? Yes, absolutely. In both uh, residential applications and commercial applications, but, but, but definitely. Uh, if I were to, to give you a picture of the typical situation in, uh, for example, in Switzerland, is that a household uh, has its own vertical borehole drilled underneath it. And uh, uh, this is really, I guess, also a cultural thing that, that, I, that is also coming in, uh, in the U.S. Um, but um, private households or residential households can indeed resort to, to relatively simple geothermal systems and um, and benefit again from from heating and cooling that is available continuously, irrespective of the weather, basically 24/7, uh, as opposed to uh, solar energy and wind energy, which are similar to geothermal energy, renewable energy sources, but they suffer from 
uh, intermittency, if you wish. So, Alessandro, as you describe this, these systems, it sounds like the installation cost is the large cost. So you spend a lot of money at the beginning, and presumably uh, your costs go down substantially over time. Yes, that's uh, that's correct. I think um, the on average the return on investment uh, for shell geothermal application ranges between four to eight years. I would say ten in the worst conditions. Um, the um, probably I would say for a household, uh, the cost for installing a geothermal system uh, would likely range between. Eight thousand and fifteen thousand uh, dollars, but it depends a lot on, uh, uh, I would say, on the on the state and and and, and the subsurface conditions. Um, most of the costs associated with the installation of geothermal technologies are associated with their installation and uh, and, and drilling, uh, and this is why again uh, when these technology that I told you about, uh, which is called energy geostructure, so for example, these energy piles uh, are typically more cost-effective than conventional boreholes because we eliminate those additional drilling costs. Because once we build the house and once we build the, the very foundations of, of the house, we embed pipes in there. So it's part of the structure. Exactly. It's part of the structure. And, and these systems are typically 30 to 35% cheaper than borehole systems. And is it difficult to find a contractor who knows how to do this today in the United States? Um, no, there are more, more and more contractors who, who, who do this. Um, so it's uh, absolutely yes. There are also um, associations that, uh, that promote these installations. I'm thinking, and institutes, I'm thinking about the Deep Foundations Institute. There is really, um, I guess, a, a growing interest in the United States for these uh, uh, thermoactive uh, geostructures or energy geostructures. And there are also... Uh, innovations that allow to apply them not only in new built uh, environments, in new buildings, but also in existing uh, in existing buildings. So there is also the possibility to retrofit existing buildings into uh, energy structures, if you wish. So I could add it to my uh, 100-year-old house and make it work. Correct, yes. yes. So interesting that there's a tremendous amount of, of excitement and, and discussion about solar in energy and, and wind energy, but for heating and cooling especially, it sounds to me like geothermal has, has a much greater promise. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, despite the great interest in electrifying our world, for example, through solar and wind, uh, as I said before, if, if we focus, as a matter of fact, on the on the energy that we consume in buildings, we can we realize how most of it is actually used for space heating and cooling and hot water production. Um, in the United States, we're talking about 50%. In other European countries, we go up to 70, 80%. So it's it's huge as as an amount of um, of, of, of energy. Um, um, of course, we can use electricity to uh, to provide heating and cooling, but 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 that's another story. Uh, so geothermal is. Is very favorable for that, and and it's very effective. Um, it's for multiple reasons. Again, the reasons that uh, I mentioned before that avoid uh, any intermittency and, and and all of that, um, but also because it's a local uh, source of energy available everywhere. So, irrespective of where of where you go across the United States, geothermal will be there. Once you will build your house, 
Geotherma will be there and it's ready to be ready to be exploited. Um, I think it's also important to mention that uh, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency itself uh, defined geothermal heat pumps as the most efficient heating and cooling solution available currently on the market. Um, it's very interesting. I'm really glad we're talking to you today because you meant that the word you mentioned, I think, is something we need to remember, and that's that's intermittency. That is, I don't have to rely on the sun. And I don't have to rely on the wind because this is a constant source of energy. Absolutely, yes. And I, I think is is increasingly important, especially in view of um, these extreme weather events uh, that are affecting our lives. So um, the, the, I guess the harvesting of geothermal really provides the opportunity to uh, exploit a local uh, a local energy source. Um, and And these, in other words... Uh, provides resiliency, provide and provides with the opportunity to have uh, clean renewable energy available 24/7. Um, and and so um, harvesting geothermal also means uh, decreasing the dependence on the grid. Uh, and so um, again, harvest energy locally for our own needs. And reduces our dependency on global politics and transportation and a lot of other things. Uh, Alessandro, I'm, re- I'm delighted that we had a chance to talk with you. You've taught me a, a lot. Thanks very much for sh- sharing this. And uh, we want to stay in touch because I understand you're doing a lot of other exciting things related to um, geothermal en- energy, and, and we want to follow them. So thanks for talking to us this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Infrastructure Show. If you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did, please subscribe to our podcast and encourage your friends to join us too. The Infrastructure Show is recorded at the Studio Media Recording Company in Evanston, Illinois, under the direction of Scott Steinman, recording engineer with a commitment to great sound. Our producer is Marion Sowers, a journalist with a passion for infrastructure. And I am Professor Joseph Schofer. Few people are more curious about infrastructure than I.